Hey folks, just a quick note to let you know you can now support the podcast by shopping on Amazon.com. Just go to the specific page on Nerdist.com for this episode, click on the Amazon banner and shop as you normally would, and Daddy gets a taste. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Today we've got round two from a show recorded October 13th, 2013 at the Bug Theater in Denver. I'm going to be back in Denver on August 21st, 2014 to kick off the High Plains Comedy Festival. We're going to be at Three Kings that night. I'll be there all weekend doing comedy. But now, let's go back to the last Denver show featuring Adam Caton Holland, Andrew Orvidal, Brian Hawker, Sam Talent, and Kevin O'Brien, reading pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions. First, you'll hear them draw topics, then we'll fast forward into the future to hear the finished pieces. Enjoy. And please welcome your round two comics who'll be writing based on those suggestions, Andrew Orvidal, Kevin O'Brien, Sam Talent, Brian Hawker, and Adam Caton Holland, ladies and gentlemen. Up. Let's uh, let's start with Mr. Andrew Orvidal. Terrific. Here's how this part works. If Andrew likes the first suggestion that I draw, he can just take it and run with it. If he doesn't like it, I will draw a second one, but then you guys vote with applause on which one he gets stuck writing. Make sense? This is just pictures of dicks. Yeah, man. Cool. Okay. Just making sure. Weirdo. Uh, your first option is simply the actor Jeff Goldblum. Oh. Yeah, I'll take that. Taking it? All yeah. right. Why wouldn't you? Andrew Orbital. Keep it going for Adam Caton Holland. That is too many words. Uh, I don't know who this is. Dr. Alan Grant. Can anyone clear that up? Jurassic Park. Okay, so Doctor from Jurassic Park. How do you feel about that? Let's see what the other one is. Let's see what the other one is. Uh, the Great American Beer Festival. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. Uh, he's getting the Great American Beer Festival. I mean, I, yes. I've I had to back. work at that fucking thing. Right? We're all on board. Adam K. Nolan, Great American Beer Festival. All right. Brian Hawker, keep it going. Tap your hands for Brian Hawker. The gold medal winning 1996 women's gymnastics nope. team. No. Nope. No. 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 Why would you? No. Nope. Uh, the Grawlicks. I'll do that. Right? I'll do that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going with the Grawlicks. There you go. Keep it going for Sam Talent. Uh, oh, uh, FX's The Archer, or Archer, rather. I hate Archer. it. Archer. All right, all, all right. right. That's fair. Not the show, the suggestion. Let's see what else we got. Uh, the Grawlicks. <laughs> no. Mine will be no. funnier if you let me do One it. One of those is enough. We're going we're gonna to draw again. All right. Uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. So, I leave it to you. Who wants to hear Archer? Just the person that suggested it. <laughs> Walter White from Breaking Bad. Fucking A. Same talent. And finally, Mr. Kevin O'Brien, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Kev, your first option is the Big Bang Theory. No. <laughs> not at all. 
Uh, Top Gun. So, who wants to hear Big Bang Theory? Thank you. Top Gun. All right. There it is. Kevin O'Brien, Top Gun. Ah. All right. Please welcome your first competitor from round one who's come with a stories. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sam Talon, your first competitor for round two. Well, while those cowards are finishing up their killer jokes, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen my act, but I wasn't going to write either way, so let's get right into this thing, guys. Breaking Bad, Walt White, Brian Cranston. Just Wikipedia'd everything. Uh, One Walter White was sitting in his adobe home. Looking the abyss right in the eye. Shut up, dude. You're the worst. You are. All right? I'm not doing a thing right now, but whoever else is screaming and ruining it, shut up. Other lady, shut the fuck up. All right? How's that sound, everybody? Is that good? All right. Yeah. I had to do it because you can't. Absolutely. So I better get that trophy. Uh, (laughs) So there was Walt sitting considering the choice between boredom or death. It is the existential crisis of man. And he said, well, I have nothing to do today because sitting around smoking marijuana, eating Cheetos and masturbating does not constitute a plan. (laughs) So what did he do? What everybody does when they're lonely in Albuquerque. Throw a giant meth-fueled fuck orgy. That's right. (laughs) He whipped out his phone and he went to call all of his friends but realized quickly that his Machiavellian rise to power had left him with none. (laughs) So he hit up some old work associates. Hey there, Frankie Munez, what are you doing? (laughs) How are things in your multiple cars, I assume? (laughs) You want to come over? Yeah, let's play that game where I call my dick Malcolm and I put it in your middle. (laughs) Then Dewey came over and they had sex. But Dewey was still a kid, so it was gross. (laughs) And he pretended to be on the phone the entire time. Dewey? He did, all right? So, uh, and then he was like, oh, man, I don't know who else I'm going to call. So he called up his buddy, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) From when he was Watley on Seinfeld. And he says, what's up? What's up, uh, Jerry? What are you doing? And Jerry was like, "Being, uh, I'm in a hot air balloon, I guess. I don't know. So he's like, you know, Jerry, you know, Jerry, I totally went Jewish for the jokes, but I went gay for the butts. <laughs> and <laughs> then Seinfeld, nope, Seinfeld came over, and old Brian Cranston, a.k.a. Walt White, started grinding on Seinfeld like the road used to grind on Seinfeld early in his stand-up comedy career. And he just kept thrusting and thrusting until eventually Seinfeld said, Wadley! And then Pinkman came over. And that joke writes itself. Uh, Pinkman totally showed up. And he was like, what's up, man? I'm going to put the pink in Pinkman. And then I did. And I expected a bit of a laugh there, but none came. Uh, So then a bunch of people start showing up. And they're all like, yeah, meth and dongs. Let's get it on. And... uh, yeah, 
that old dude in the wheelchair who's definitely Hispanic, but I'm not sure from where. <laughs> he wheels in all old Mexican crippled style. <laughs> And, uh, and Walt grabs that man's paralyzed chorizo and takes it in his supine mouth. And as he gets on his knees and starts to fillet that old man, he looks him in the eye and he says, do you like that, abuelo? And the old man responds, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Other funny things happened. Uh, oh yeah, this was this was great. Uh, so then he said to uh, Badger, "Hey there, Badger, come on in here. That's right. Now take your shirt off. Now let my crippled son take a dump on your chest." <laughs> and then Walt Jr. enters, uh, not Badger, his aunt, because that's fucked up, right? And as he's fucking his own aunt, well, well, Uncle Hank watches and just beats his meat like the cartels beat the drug war. Uh, he's over there just jerking off like Nixon did in the, in the helicopter. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Walt's all like, yeah, Badger, my son's got CP. He's a real cunt punisher. <laughs> And then the pumping of flesh on flesh, aided by crutches, filled the laboratory. Because uh, they're doing it in a lab. And then... <laughs> and then uh, Combo and Skinny come over, and they totally whip out their dongs, but they're high on meth, so their dongs look like old nerd's rope you find in the glove box. <laughs> and they start rubbing their dongs together until it sounds like a rain stick. Uh... And then Walt's all like, hey, I'm going to bone you dudes in the butt. Because that's what I'm into in this hypothetical future. Uh, and then Skinny and Combo bent over and he badgered their pink glass eyes until blood mixed with semen and pooled between Walt's legs like so much spilt cherry slurpee. Uh, remember when the crippled kid pooped on that guy's chest? <laughs> remember how much fun we were having then? Uh... Let's see. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then Walt goes into another room while everyone's doing math and partying uh, and appraising Native American jewelry, because that's what goes on in Albuquerque. He goes in a different room. And right then, he comes out after he's been in the room for a while, comes all sweaty, and Skyler's there. And Skyler's all like, what? Who was that in that room? And Walt says, I fucked Ted. Uh, <laughs> Oh, and then... <laughs> so, Tuco, I guess. Uh, Tuco's like, hey, Walt, come over here. I'm going to totally get nasty with my shame shaft in your butt. And it's going to be consenting. And, uh, and Walt's like, you, you think that a man comes to my door, asks me to bend over, take it? No. No. I'm the one going to the door. I am the man who cocks. And cocks he did. He cocked that Spaniard's butt real hard. Banged it. Banged his ass. <laughs> I'm trying to give him some time back there. Uh, 
what? Oh, yeah. And then he's like, Skyler, let's bang for old time's sake, you freak bitch. And uh, so she totally s- split him and was like, and Walt was like, oh, cool pussy, babe. And uh, you guys ever seen a pussy? That's what you do. And then he sprinkled some meth in her vagina that was the color of the vein in his massive erection. Uh, and this vagina was as arid and dusty as the Albuquerque summer. But he, presided, he proceeded to put paint on those walls. Uh, <laughs> did I say the part about blood mixing like semen? You guys were way into that. Uh, oh, yeah. And then he totally bangs... Pinkman, I guess, again. Oh, there's nothing on the back of this. Uh, so he's banging Pinkman, and he gets into it, and he's like, hey, why don't you bone me in my fleshy man chasm? And he takes his pants. Their pants were already off because they were fucking. And uh, he bends over the laboratory set, and Pinkman's like, yeah, let's get that cylindrical cylinder involved. And he totally starts fucking Walt in the butt. With this cylinder that can fit all types of fluid by the millimeter or liquid millimeter. I don't remember the term. And Walt's like, yeah, I love getting shit shoved in my butt. I don't know anything about gay sex. I'm sorry if I'm coming off very uh, unkind. But so he's like, ugh, get in there, other dude. And uh, I'm totally into this. And then right when, he, right when he's about to come, he's like, ah, oh, Pinkman, the student has become the teacher. <laughs> Sam Talent. Who do we got? Round two. I was the real Kevin guy. O'Brien, ladies and gentlemen. Clap your hands for Mr. Kevin O'Brien. Right. So I wrote this in the form of a publication I read a lot as a young man. So here we go. Dear Gay Penthouse Forum. Uh, <laughs> probably could have had a more creative name. Um, <laughs> I'm a young naval lieutenant with a bit of a temper. I come from a military family, but I'm the kind of guy that doesn't mind defining orders if it's the right thing to do. I met Goose the first day at the academy. The first time I saw him, I knew that I wanted to be his wingman for a very, very long time. Over the course of our training, I subtly threw out feelers to see if Goose was into me as well, hoping that someday he would reciprocate and we could share a nice moonlit night in the showers together. Unfortunately, he didn't seem to know what I meant when I asked if he wanted to share my MRE, if you know what I mean. One night of training, we all went out to the bar, and after repeatedly being shot down by a goose, I got drunk and ran up his bar tab. I tried to make him jealous by hitting on a leggy blonde at the bar. I even forced everyone to sing, You Lost That Loving Feeling. (laughs) But instead of goose making a move, I was forced to take home the leggy blonde. As we got back to her place, I was so drunk and desperate that I bent her over her kitchen island and went straight for the back door the whole time, dreaming it was Goose who was giving me that rubbing feeling. When I found out her name was Charlie, I had no problem staying rock hard, despite the fact that I had drank over two quarts of whiskey. I had given up on Goose at that point. My beard would do for now. That's what I thought, at least. And then on an especially hot summer day on the USS Enterprise... I was staring longingly over at Goose, shirtless, at his locker, when he locked eyes with me and smiled. Want to play some volleyball, he said. Part of me hoped he, part of me hoped he saw my rock-hard aircraft carrier that I was barely containing in my extra-tight short shorts. As the game went on, the friendlier we became. I wanted to see what I could get away with. 
a shoulder brush here, a chest bump there. When I gave him a slap on the perfect demigoddess ass that he had, and he gave me a knowing smile, I knew it was on. After the game in the locker, I made my move. I waited for those cock teases, Slider and Iceman to leave, and then I went to Goose. I got close, close enough that he could feel my bulging submarine and said, I think we make a pretty good team. Goose pushed closer to me, and I could feel that like a good soldier, Goose wasn't going to leave his mans behind. (laughs) Without saying a word, Goose pounced on me like a Republican in an airport bathroom. He dragged me into the shower and made it clear right away which one of us was the commanding officer. He inspected my body so thoroughly you would think it was bunk check. He filled every hole possible, and even some of the ones that weren't. (laughs) Ears. Uh, (laughs) His mustache covered my body like a Zamboni at a hockey game, and I assure you, there was a lot of white ice to clean up. Goose knew every spot to hit. He didn't ask, and I definitely didn't need to tell. Yeah. After what felt like 1,200 hours, he was officially out of fluids, no matter how thirsty I still was. Without saying a word, he went back to his locker and put on his uniform. When he walked out of the locker room, he said, same time next week, and that's when I knew I found my wingman for the rest of my life. Sincerely, up in the air. Thank you, guys. That was <laughs> Kevin O'Brien. Keep it going for Andrew Orbital. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum was antsy. Hmm. He said, swinging down from the monkey bars he had installed in his living room. <laughs> He was missing Gina Davis, his toothsome equine (laughs) ex-wife, and co-star from The Fly and Earth Girls Were Easy. Turns out Earth Girls really were easy. They had first hooked up one night after a long shoot on The Fly. Goldblum was still in his Brundlefly makeup. Gina had wanted it that way. (laughs) As he thrust away at Gina on the craft services table, she gasped, Do that scene, please. Goldblum knew exactly what scene she was talking about. He put a handful of Funyuns into his mouth, chewed them into a mush, and then spit them all over Gina's abdomen. (laughs) Quickly, and with a slithering tongue, he gobbled them back up. (laughs) Goldblum returned to reality. He flexed his nude body in front of his customized mirrored fridge. (laughs) He still had it. Of course, Gina wasn't the first co-star he had hooked up with. It was his way, and women couldn't resist his musk. Goldblum poured himself a tall glass of watermelon rind juice, his favorite, (laughs) and let his mind wander again, all the way to Jurassic Park. And of course, squinty blonde Laura Dern, they'd been alone in the park jeep running lines together. Uh, We will uh, eventually see dinosaurs on the dinosaur tour. Uh, We will eventually see dinosaurs on this dinosaur tour. Mm. Dern sighed. I wish I could see a dinosaur. Yeah? Um, uh, How about something else? Uh, Immense. He pointed down to the tent in his black jeans. 
Thought you'd never ask, Dern replied conveniently and unzipped Goldblum's jeans, freeing Goldblum's ridiculously long, thin dick that unexpectedly hooked to the left. (laughs) Then they had let the Jeep auto-drive them through the park full of animatronic dinosaurs, fucking in every position Goldblum could fit his goofy seven-foot-tall frame into. (laughs) Back in the present, Goldblum patted his Chinese hairless cat on the head. (laughs) So many encounters, but all of them paled to powder. Of course, Goldblum swung both ways. There would never be enough orifices to appease him, but bald albino powder had come close. Of course, Powder was played by Sean Patrick Flannery, but Goldblum was method. He made Flannery stay in costume throughout shooting, and of course, after. They'd been in Goldblum's trailer alone, Goldblum eating a raw acorn squash, Flannery reading People magazine. (laughs) Can you uh, uh, read my mind? Goldblum asked coyly. Well, if you're thinking what you have been every other night this week, you want to eat my ass. <laughs> Bingo. Goldblum and Powder went to town. Powder sitting on Goldblum's face as the latter chased, traced Chinese astrological symbols with his tongue on Powder's puckered anus, a trick he'd picked up on the set of the Big Chill from Tom Berenger. <laughs> Old Berenger the Rim King. <laughs> Of course, that tryst had been broken up by director Victor Salva, who'd heard rumors of the couple and wanted to join in. Goldblum had wiped Powder Santorum from his mouth and karate kicked Salva right out of the fucking trailer. <laughs> because Goldblum was a weirdo, but at least he wasn't a fucking child molester like Victor Salva. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Orbital. Who's next, fellas? Oh, the suspense. Brian Hawker. Clap your hands for Brian Auger. I got the Grolics. All right. It was a quiet Friday just an hour before the Grolics episode 425 featuring Carrot Top and that retarded guy from Police Academy. (laughs) Andrew, Adam, and Ben were meeting up for their pregame milkshake, but this shake was about to be cock-flavored. Andrew had showed up four hours before and was already jerking his underwhelming penis (laughs) to pictures of his own headshots. (laughs) Adam was running late as he had his own pre-show ritual, which is putting on his diaper for his dog who is raging periods. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just take a minute to think about that fucking real thing. By the time he walked in on Andrew, he was so startled he burped up some Vanderbilt's period blood. Jesus. <laughs> Nobody that seemed to notice that Ben Roy was already hanging from the, a pipe with a uh, rope around his neck. Don't fucking look at me, he yelled. <laughs> or like, don't fucking look at me! <laughs> What Ben and Andrew did not know was that Adam was ready to fuck. 
Andrew was so ready, he took Adam's tuxedo pants off <laughs> and pulled out his unusual penis and started to thrust it right into Adam's penis soul, right into his penis hole. Seeing this, Ben Roy untied himself uh, to Adam's tight angel butthole, and instead of going inside of him, he peed all over Andy and Adam. <laughs> all that, uh... All that creatine from CrossFit had turned his pee into blood. <laughs> All this got Adam excited, and he pulled out a straw and started drinking the period blood from him. And then he yelled out, I drink your milkshake! <laughs> this, made a- this made Andrew so excited, he came inside of Adam, and his penis shot out like a champagne bottle being uncorked. Ben Roy looked at Andrew. I can't read my own handwriting. I write like a fucking retard. Ben looked at Andrew covered in his own semen and knew he was begging for this party to get into top gear. He shit into his own hands, covered his own hands in shit, and started mouth-fucking Andrew till his mouth looked like somebody had gotten to the chocolate bowl. Andrew could have handled this, so he puked all over Ben's shit-covered dick. <laughs> Adam stuck his arm so far and so fast into Ben's asshole, he broke two fingers. Andrew was in such ecstasy that he came on Andrew's back, which made Ben and Adam both come at the same time, like some kind of semen domino effect. Andrew was in such passion, he shot at a gallon of semen like it was some kind of fire hose that got uncorked and it started going all crazy and knocked Ben out. <laughs> when Ben came to, he said, this is going to be a fucking great show. Good night. <laughs> Brian Hawker. Keep it going for final competitor of the evening, Mr. Adam K. Nollins. Angel's butthole. <laughs> Who's been talking? <laughs> I have the Great American Beer Festival. <laughs> <clears throat> Chad, Dane, Spencer, and Chad. <laughs> or Fat Chad, as he was known to the group of bosom buddies. <laughs> had literally been counting the days to the Great American Beer Festival. College buddies from their days back at Colorado State University, or as everyone else refers to it, my safety school, (laughs) the four inseparable chums didn't get to hang out anymore as much as any of them would have liked. Jobs, families, financial obligations, life had gotten in the way, and now they were lucky to see each other every few months at a kid's birthday party, or at a Mary Kay party staged by skinny Chad's insufferable cunt wife, Diane. (laughs) The Great American Beer Fest was their one time of year where they could throw down like they used to in college. They rented hotel rooms downtown, and their wives let them off their respective leashes for that weekend and that weekend only. You could say they lived for this shit. What up, faggots? (laughs) Fat Chad yelled to the already assembled trio in the incredibly long line outside the downtown convention center. Classic Fat Chad. (laughs) 
he was a vicious homophobe. (laughs) Clad in his signature number 18 bright orange Peyton Manning jersey and green Mardi Gras party beads, he was already noticeably drunk, his eyes red, his halitosis literally hitting people in the face. Are you drunk already? Spencer asked, like a total fucking bitch. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm drunk already, Spencer. It's the Great American Beer Fest, not the Great American Be a Bitch and on my period all the time, and my name is Spencer. It was a good point. <laughs> With that, Fat Chad removed a can of Milwaukee Beast from his fanny pack and slammed it in line. <laughs> Those bitches only let you get three ounce of beers in there. Got a pregame before the gabaff. <laughs> Yeah, plus all their stupid gay beers have fucking oats and pumpkin and chocolate and fucking kale and rhubarb and shit in them. Dane yes manned. <laughs> Let me get one of those beasts. That's what the fuck I'm talking about, Fat Chad yelled excitedly, handing Dane a beast and offering up a high five that no one noticed, so he quickly pulled his hand back down and acted like it had never happened. <laughs> Stop being such a faggot, Spencer, Skinny Chad said, almost as if just to get a line of dialogue in this story. <laughs> You guys, faggot is a hurtful term. Nobody says that anymore. We're not in college, Spencer very reasonably explained. No duh, Fat Chad countered. In college, you didn't suck a million dicks. (laughs) With that, Fat Chad pantomime sucking dicks of varying sizes. Most of them huge, but some of them just regular size. (laughs) And again, issued an unrequited high five. (laughs) Finally, the line started moving and our intrepid group of shitty state school super friends entered the convention center. Three hours later, the gang was riding high, power-chugging three-ounce shots with little discretion or interest in what went into making the beer or where and how it was made, except for the sour beer that they all immediately spit out, (laughs) telling the brewer from Left Tooth Dogtail Lobster Fest Wagon Wheel Brewery in Eugene, Oregon (laughs) that his beer had spoiled and was fucking gay or some shit. (laughs) The boys were on carnival spirits and looking to sexually harass some blonde bitches in skirts and comically oversized boots. But they'd already been warned to cut that shit out twice from two GABF volunteers. Gabaff! <laughs> Plus, Spencer seemed to be taking a turn for the worse. All the gay bashing was wearing on him. What gives, Skinny Chad asked, almost as if to get one more line of dialogue in this story. You guys have been gay bashing me all day long, Spencer choked out through sudden sobs. He was drunk, and this was coming out right here, right now. Well, guess what? I'm gay. I'm fucking gay, okay? I've been gay since college, and now I'm getting a divorce because of it. I don't know what to tell my kids. My life is a fucking mess. Fat Chad, Skinny Chad, and Dane were all speechless. Bro, Dane said. We had no idea. It's totally okay if you're gay. We're your bros for life. That's what the tattoo says. That's what we're going to do. Absolutely, Skinny Chad said, receiving yet another line of dialogue. But Fat Chad still said nothing. Finally, he spoke. So, you like suck dicks? He asked. Well, it's a lot more than that, Spencer said, but yes, I suck dicks. I'm going to need a minute, Fat Chad said meekly. 
He excused himself and headed to bum a smoke from someone, passing four different black metal breweries as he made his way to the smoking area. (laughs) You should go talk to him, Dane said. I don't think he's ever met a gay person before in his life. Spencer obliged, showing concern for his lifelong friend and nobly realizing it was his responsibility to educate his homophobic buddy. In the smoking area, Fat Chad couldn't even make eye contact with Spencer. Every time Spencer tried to broach the subject, Fat Chad would look away or shush him. Finally, he asked Spencer to take a walk. Can we talk about this away from everybody else, he asked. Of course they could. They walked in front of the convention center, and that's when Fat Chad noticed a panel on the black blue leg of the idiotic, gigantic bear that stands outside the Denver Convention Center, (laughs) thus dooming us to be depicted as a cow town by the millions of conventioneers who travel here annually, then leave telling everyone how Denver people are fascinated by big old animal sculptures. The two of them scurried into the bear, realizing that what they were doing was highly illegal. Inside, it was completely dark and hot. So you, like, suck dicks? Fat Chad said again. I do, Spencer said. He could feel Fat Chad's heavy girth against him in the crowded space. It was soft and fleshy, but then it became harder, much harder, rock harder. (laughs) So would you, like, suck my dick? Fat Chad said. I will, Spencer whispered realizing this was probably a pivotal moment in his good friend's sexual liberation. He bent down and slipped his hands into the front of Fat Chad's sweatpants. (laughs) Delicately lifting his man fupa so he could have access to his... So he could have access to his beer-addled, sweaty, fat man dick. It was like foraging for an andouille sausage in a box full of hairy silly putty. (laughs) Spencer took Fat Chad's fat pud deep into his mouth. (laughs) Fat Chad shuddered, his girth immediately swelling to its full five inches. Spencer took him in hungrily, a busy woodpecker hammering through tree bark in search of precious larvae. (laughs) The woodpecker didn't need long. Fat Chad convulsed, grunted loudly, and spasmed a milky rope of jism that blasted Spencer so hard in the back of the throat, two days later he actually actually thought he had strep. His, off- his offering tasted of hops, salt, and chipotle. <laughs> Fat Chad grabbed the back of Spencer's head and petted his buddy softly. Bro, he said tenderly, it's not gay at all that you're a faggot. <laughs> Thanks, bro, Spencer said. But you've got to promise not to tell anybody about this, he said. I'm not ready for that. I understand, Spencer said. You have to do these things when you're ready, at your own pace. Did you two work out your little problem? Dane asked Fat Chad and Spencer when they rejoined the group right near the Upper Oxbow Cobbler's Inc. brewery table. <laughs> oh, we worked it out, Spencer said, making a dick-sucking gesture. <laughs> Fat Chad looked horrified, but Skinny Chad and Dane just laughed. Just boys being boys, busting balls, having fun. Then Spencer knocked Fat Chad's plastic Great American Beer Festival cup to the ground, and everyone around them screamed and pointed at Fat Chad, <laughs> as is the tradition at the Gabaf. <laughs> Who's the faggot now, Spencer asked, single-handedly setting back the gay right movement at least a decade. (laughs) Everyone died laughing because Fat Chad was the faggot. The faggot was Fat Chad. (laughs) With that, they all took satisfying bites off the giant salted pretzels they wore around their ever-fattening necks and smiled. 
It was just like the tattoos they all had around their ankles had prophesized. <laughs> Bros for life. There were still two more days of the Great American Beer Festival left, and they had a hall pass from their wives, from their lives. Let's go try 100 more of these fucking weird beers, and they get thrown out of a strip club, Fat Chad said loudly. We can see if they can bring in a dick or two for Spencer. <laughs> Spencer took the good-natured joke like a pro. He and his friends had a deeper understanding and appreciation for each other now. Hey, Chad, Spencer said, let me get one of those Milwaukee beasts. The end. <laughs> Adam, Kate, and Holland. Let's get everybody from round two back out. So once again, I'll remind you what everybody did, so don't vote yet. Uh, we started with Sam Talent with Walter White, then Kevin O'Brien with Top Gun, Andrew Orvidal with Jeff Goldblum, uh, Brian Hawker with The Grolix, and Adam Caton Holland with The Great American Beer Festival. So with your applause, starting with Sam Talent, Walter White. Kevin O'Brien, Top Gun. Andrew Orvidal, Jeff Goldblum. Brian Hawker, The Grolix. Adam Caden Holland, The Great American Beer Festival. Oh, Bridesmaid No More, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, your fucking champion, Adam Caton Holland. He's done the show in Seattle. He's done the show in Portland. He's done it multiple times in Los Angeles, California. He's done it three times in Denver, Colorado. He's lost to Ben Roy every fucking time. Adam Caton Holland, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Roy's not here anymore. <laughs> oh, that's what happens when Ben gets a last-minute gig in Scottsdale. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming out. Check out the podcast. I'm Brian Cook. You can follow me on Twitter for details. That does it for round two. To hear round one from this show, you can go back and download episode 78. Hey, if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. It's a big help. Upcoming shows include August 10th at the Nightlight in Oakland, California. That is a 5.30 door, 6 p.m. show. August 17th at the Virgil in Los Angeles. That is a free show. August 24th at the Doug Fur in Portland, Oregon. August 25th at the Capital City Theater in Salem, Oregon. August 29th at the Rendezvous in Seattle. Plenty more dates coming soon. For details, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or follow the show at CEFanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 